One, two, one, two. Yes, one, two. This is the Nike Kasongo podcast. Well, it's called Let's Talk. Let's Talk. Okay. Yeah. This is just testing. Yeah, but it's called Let's Talk. All right. It not, doesn't matter. Not the Nike Kasongo. Okay, you can stop now. <laughs> What's wrong with you? All right. Okay, how about we start again? just want to talk to you a little bit about something that I've been working on lately. It's called the Let's Talk podcast. I can't wait for you to listen. My hope is that this podcast can be a place for us to explore different type of topics. You, me, and maybe some guests. A place to open up and be vulnerable. A place to talk through some tough questions and, you know, questions that we all try to answer. And of course, laugh along the way. In this first season, I will comment about some topics that are dear to me, and I will also be talking with some of my closest people, my husband, my children, friends, colleagues, and many others. And in each episode, we'll be discussing the values, events, and relationships that shaped our identity. Sometimes that might be as personal as our relationship with ourselves or how we maybe navigate our physical and mental health at various points uh, in our lives. In other episodes, we will be talking about not only the understanding that we gain and the growth we experience when we pay attention to what is happening around us, but also about maybe the challenges and the joys of being a parent or a spouse, the friendship that helps us through the toughest time. I'm very excited about these conversations because they are about matters and issues that we are all dealing with at some point of our lives, no matter what's going on in the world. And most importantly, I hope this podcast can spike ideas and topics that you can open up with people within your own circles. Maybe it will inspire you to have a conversation with the loved one that you've been needing to have. So join me for the Let's Talk podcast. So, uh, welcome to the first episode of the Let's Talk podcast. Hi, I'm here with my husband, Patrick, and I think we're going to have a pretty cool conversation, aren't we? I, I hope so. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, um, I finally uh, did it. The podcast, the blog. Took me forever, huh? <laughs> kind of about time. I was wondering if we set up this whole thing for... No reason, but glad to see that we're using our our resources now. All right. <laughs> well, so um, what I'm hoping to achieve with this podcast is just to have different type of conversations, um, you know, just hearing different stories, because what I'm noticing more and more is that uh, who we are today is not just uh, because of our, you know, triumphs or exploits, but it's also because of sometimes the hard things that we've been through. So. Right. I'm kind of hoping to have a conversation with you about, you know, where where you come from and what are the things that have shaped you to be the man that you are today. So, okay. I'll go right into my first question for you. you know? All right. So, can you share with us one event or person that you've met in your childhood uh, that has impacted you the most um, to be the man that you're today? 
I think uh, to answer that question, I, I think it would really be unfair to to uh, boil it down to only one uh, one event. I would say probably there's three individuals that I hold key in my in my life, um, and one of them is an individual and slash event. I would say um, first of all, of course, uh, I believe my father, uh, my biological father, is one of the people that I believe has impacted my life in, in such a great way and seeing him, um, you know, and all his accomplishment has definitely had an influence on my desire to also be able to be somebody that was able to provide not only for the family, uh, but also for so many people and just the heart that he has towards people. The second person that I would always say is my uncle who actually raised me uh, whenever I moved to the States. Oh, uh, so you moved to the States. How old were you? I was actually 12 years old when I moved to the States, of course, uh, originally from the Congo. Right. Um, so I grew That's good up, to know. <laughs> well, I thought you knew, but I guess <laughs> they don't know. 17 years later. Well, they don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So yeah, I'm, I'm from the Congo, grew up there until the age of 12. And so eventually I moved here with um, my uncle and his family, and I actually was raised in his home. And so he's had a great influence on me and just seeing seeing his character, how he carries himself as an individual, as well as how he was able to lead his family. A very, very hardworking man. Uh, he's worked for one company literally for about 40 years almost. Uh, and I mean, just a very hardworking man. So, so that's what that's where it comes from. Well, I, I think it's a combination. It's a combination of things, uh, which, yeah, we'll have an opportunity maybe one day to talk about it in depth. But um, the third individual, of course, that I, I would say has a great influence and has really tremendously impacted my life. And I said earlier that it's an individual slash event because uh, my encounter with God or with Christ, uh, meeting Christ, not just hearing about him uh, and knowing him through people, but literally having an encounter with him, a personal relationship with him. That event or that encounter to me is one of the greatest impactful moments of my life because it brought me to the realization of not only who I was, but also my calling, it helped me discover my purpose and began to really shape me to become the man that I, I, I am today. Right, right. So I can see where that resilience and that hardworking is coming from. So, so who you grew up with and who had influence in your life, in your childhood has really shaped your work ethic, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. All right, so welcome back to the Let's Talk podcast. I'm here with um, husband Patrick. Hey. Hey. All right, so we're talking about uh, kind of how you grew up and and I must say that one thing that I'm always uh, quite impressed with you about is how resilient you are. Wow. I think, <laughs> I, okay, 
it's not that serious. Okay. <laughs> I think you, you it's just amazing sometimes to, to watch how you uh, don't easily give up. So so where do you think you get that resilience from? Honestly, I, I think there's many different factors. Uh, one of the, the biggest factor, I, I don't know if it's, I should call it genetics, um, but of course, I, I think part of my character is uh, very competitive, very resilient, uh, very uh, driven. So I, I like to f finish what I started. Actually, that's one of my life models. Um, I don't, I don't like stopping um, in the middle of something. And so I, um, I like to see things all the way through and finish them. Um, just accomplishing what I set out to do. I, I'm very hard on myself, and so I really like to. Uh, finish really what I started and so whenever I stop halfway through something or I don't get something done I really start beating myself up and so it's not a very good feeling uh, and part of that is part of my competitive um, personality some of it I would say also comes from growing up in a big family a large family I have several siblings um, and so growing up in a house with a lot of brothers and sisters you know, we were always competing with each other right. on doing certain things and, and really being first. And one of my greatest competitors in life was always my older brother, the one that comes right before me. Uh, and so we we basically used to run together in everything. And uh, I always wanted to be ahead of him, always wanted to be above him and beat him at everything. So my competitive spirit started fairly early and it began to in impact different aspects of my life to where I believe it also influenced where I am today. Yeah, I think that's great. But now how do you know when to stop? Um, because do you think, um, do you have to always uh, see through everything you start or there are some things that sometimes you have to kind of stop and maybe redefine the why or maybe change the, the pace so how, how do you know when to stop? Because sometimes when you're so uh, uh, competitive and you, you, you know, such a, uh, a perfectionist and you want to make sure that you finish what you start, when do you stop if some things will demand you to stop? I definitely think that those things have evolved or changed over the years. I think the younger I, I was, it was all about go, 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 get it done, get it done. Uh, no matter what the cost. The older I get, the more I realize that, you know, having a winning situation is not always having a, you know, a situation where you're working towards one goal and one goal alone. Certain things are accomplished in many different ways. And sometimes it does require for you to stop and restart. And that restart can be in a completely different direction to be able to still get that satisfaction of accomplishing something. But over the years, I've learned that it's okay um, not to necessarily just drive through um, and, and demolish every wall in front of me to get to a certain point because not everything that I thought was a goal or a great accomplishment actually ended up being what I thought it was. And so being okay with looking at different ways and different directions in order to get to a certain level, I think is important as well. So sometimes when you have to recalibrate or you have to change 
your strategy, it may feel like you're failing, but it's actually not a failure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think it takes time and experience to learn that notion, especially for highly driven and competitive people. Okay. Sounds good. You all right? Yeah. 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 Because you were kind of stressing out at the beginning, though. Uh, no, no. I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think I'm good. You're good. <laughs> so, um, when you were a teenager, what were your dreams? First of all, I was never a teenager. Okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> I'm sure your your daughters will probably disagree. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, they may actually think you're still a teenager. <laughs> I well, just... <laughs> that just means that I'm cool. I'm just cool. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now, when when I was a teenager, there's a lot of things that I was dreaming about, but most definitely, um, I was very focused on my academics for sure. Uh, so one of my biggest dreams was to really finish school, finish my education, and be really set when it comes to education and, and, and having a great job, a uh, great paying job, and you know, being pretty stable. Really? So you didn't dream like, I don't know, being an NFL or NBA or being a ballet dancer? Uh, the ballet dancer was definitely... <laughs> One of my biggest dreams. I didn't want to talk about it, but mm-hmm. since you're bringing See? it up, yeah. let's talk about it. Um, it was the first year that I got my ballerina dress. Okay, come on now. Uh, um, <laughs> no, um, I, I love sports. I've always loved sports ever since I was young. Uh, huge football fan. So uh, playing football with friends and at school was always a passion of mine but never really uh, thought that I would be an NFL player per se. Uh, Very passionate about it. But at the end of the day, I've always seen myself more in a um, career type oriented uh, field uh, rather than a sports person or uh, one of those, I guess, young people dream jobs. You know, I I never wanted to be a firefighter or a policeman. I've always been kind of centered. Believe it or not, I I actually, whenever I was young, wanted to be an engineer. Um, and then whenever I moved here in the States, uh, the direction kind of shifted based on some of the things that I was surrounded by. Uh, I wanted to be an engineer, uh, and then I wanted to be a doctor, and then I ended up being in finance. Go figure. So, uh, but never saw myself in sports or things like that. Now, you mentioned about when you moved here. So I wanted to kind of go back a little bit and talk about, um, you know, the fact that we actually have that in common, that we both um, left our family uh, very young. I Mm -hmm. think you were, we were both, you were 12 and I was 11. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So we both left uh, the Congo, you know, under 13. And I went to uh, live in Belgium with some um, friends of the family, and then you came here in the U.S. Um, as uh, you know to live with your family. C- can you remember? I don't know if it's too far, but can you remember how it felt to to come here? Like, were you excited or were you like scared? Not that, not like maybe months later, but like you know, the week that you arrived. How, how did you feel? 
Uh, is it too far? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, the, the feeling or the emotion behind it was really, uh, I would call it mixed emotions. Because, of course, you know, living, leaving, leaving my family mm-hmm. uh, back in the Congo or my brothers and sisters uh, was a tough thing. Uh, leaving my mother um, was a tough thing. thing. But also, we were living in different circumstances that a lot of people uh, were not necessarily aware of. And so my father and my mother separated whenever we were fairly young. Uh, I think I was nine years old whenever they separated. And so we were three years removed from from that. Uh, And so by the time that I moved here in the States, I had gone through a lot of things emotionally, I believe, as a uh, young person. Actually, as I look back now and understand a lot of those things, yeah, I was going through a lot of emotional things to the point where by the time I moved here, there was the whole idea for anyone growing up in Africa, the whole idea of moving to the United States is always a grand, grand uh, dream for most people. Um, and so you hear so many great things about America and uh, new experience and, and being able to move to the land where milk and honey flows and all that stuff, <laughs> only to find out that it's... <laughs> Got to take care of the bees first. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Emirates and the Jebusites okay. and the Amalekites and yeah. <laughs> anyway, but... There were so many things that were happening. And so there was excitement. At the same time, there was the sadness from, uh, you know, being removed from my siblings and so on and so forth. Uh, but certainly embraced the new family. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad that I ended up in my uncle's home, which was really welcoming. And I, I was able to get a great education, a great family education from them. And so I'm always thankful for that because it's not the case with everybody that moves away from their family home into uh, either uh, another family uh, member's home. Uh, The experience that I got was really fortunate for me. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I appreciate that too. I remember personally, my experience was maybe a little bit different. Uh, in the sense that whenever I, I still remember um, the, I still have the picture in my head when I was leaving. I I was so excited <laughs> to go to uh, to Belgium. It wasn't my first time, but I was just excited to go there, start school because I always aimed for the U.S. And I guess I wasn't really uh, my dream was not academics. I mean, I I know I wanted to go to school and finish school. But my dream was Hollywood. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to be a star. You know, whether it was making movies or who knows, dancing or singing, I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be everywhere. So for me, going through Belgium was, you know, um, you know, a stepping stone. You know, to to the U.S. I was very excited. I barely said bye to my family because I, I was thinking I'll see them again. Uh, but now it's been, my gosh, over 25 years that I haven't seen most of them. So, um, yeah, so I was excited leaving. And I think it's after a couple months and and, and and then a year and then two years and I realized, oh, whoa, you know, I'm away from, from my parents and my, my sisters. So it was, it was quite, uh, quite challenging. 
you know, it was quite challenging. So do you do you think the fact that we kind of were pulled out of our families um, in such a young age, do you think that that made us, um, ve- you know, I don't know, do you think that shaped our character in some some ways? Yeah, I, I think it built a certain level of resilience as well. I know we spoke about resilience a little bit earlier, but being forced out of your your natural habitat, so to speak, your home, and bringing you into a new environment forces you to adapt. And, you know, these are not little moves. These are huge moves, especially at that young of an age. And so huge moves geographically and with uh, the new culture that one has to embrace and all that stuff, it really plays into shaping one's character. And I think we're more prone now to be flexible towards um, embracing new things. New things will change. Be- yeah, absolutely. Because of that experience, especially at that young of an age, uh, and being okay with adapting to new things. Uh, so yeah, definitely think it, it influences. Yeah. Do you have any uh, silly stories of when you came here when you were little? Uh, what, besides uh, not speaking English? <laughs> right. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, Actually, besides all that. <laughs> you know, it's, what's funny is that one of the first meals that I had, my uncle came to pick me up at the airport. Actually, I landed in New York. We spent a couple of days in New York, which was kind of cool because my cousins were on vacation also from, from Africa and New York. And so we all met up there. And so... That was that was cool because I was familiar at least with with them, yeah. and then a couple of days to America, I, I, yeah, Queens <laughs> and stuff. But <laughs> and so when we came down to Texas, um, you know, this is in the middle of the summer, so it's August. Okay, I moved yeah. here early August, and so it's super hot. And before we even got home, my uncle takes me to uh, out of all the places, Taco Bell. Yeah, because, welcome to Texas. Yeah, he, he figured, well, it's a new experience. Uh, everybody always talks about the burgers and all that stuff, but he wanted for me to experience, you know, tacos. Uh, and I didn't know how to eat a taco, and so he had to literally coach me into how to eat a hard taco and, and putting everything together. So that was that was really, really interesting. Um yeah, and, and a few days later, I remember also learning my first lesson about not littering. Littering mm-hmm. um, is very, very, very common back uh, in Africa. And I remember I was eating an apple and we were driving somewhere. After, after I finished eating the apple, it had the little core. I just rolled out my window um, and right. chunked that thing outside the window. And that was my first, uh, I think, uh, trouble or Yale uh, that I got. Well, we can't do that. We're going to get a ticket or something. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, those those were happy moments, learning the new culture and how things were done in a different part of the world. Right. Do you think America um, was or is what we thought it will be? Absolutely not. <laughs> not? <laughs> Absolutely not. I think um, uh, for most people, Living in Africa, even in good condition, America has always been put, portrayed as, you know, like I said earlier, the land where the milk and the honey flows. 
And then you get here and you begin to see certain things that you did not expect, you know, for the way that it's portrayed from the outside. You would never imagine that there'd be homeless people. You would never imagine that there'd be ghettos. You'd never imagine that there's hungry kids and things like that. But then you get here and you see all those things and it puts, you know, it puts you into a little bit of a reality check that things aren't as they seem from the outside looking in. And so that that was a big surprise to me to see how much of the things that we had back home that we're also missing here. Uh, you know, growing up in an environment where we had uh, someone driving us to school or chauffeur or cooks and things like that. And then moving here with my uncle and his family, his kids were still young and they were still fairly young. And so we were moving into an apartment. And so we had to help and doing all those things were, I think, some cultural differences, but uh, definitely did not expect a lot of the things that I saw yeah. when I first moved here. You know, I must say that um, when I used to look at America while I was in the Congo, um, you know, I told you I dreamed about Hollywood. I fantasized about all those pop singers, you know, I loved like, you know, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson and Madonna, all of them. Um, one thing that I was... I don't know who those are. You don't know who they are? Not, okay. No I'll, idea. I'll let you know after the show. Okay, thanks. All right. <laughs> so uh, one thing that was quite surprising for me was to see uh, racism here. Um, because when I saw all those, you know, that Black folks have been here for such a long time, I thought that it will be the type of country where really there will be no racism against black people, especially, you know, it's not like in Europe where, you know, when you see a black person, you know, kind of where they're from, you know, it's a, you know, second generation or first generation of, of an immigrants or it's a, mm -hmm. immigrants, but over here, they've been here for African-Americans. I mean, they've been here for such a long time and right. from uh, for us Africans, uh, who came here, I was surprised to see that my my brothers and sisters, <laughs> you know, if I may say that, uh, were still going through what we're going through right now, you know? So so why do you think as a country, we're still, there's still not a reconciliation between, you know, white folks and, and black folks? Oh gosh, there's there are so many different elements to that, that I think it's a conversation that requires its own show, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. Uh, the uh, the reconciliation, um, I, I don't know if we can even use the word reconciliation, um, because in order for reconciliation to exist, there had to have been an agreement at some point. Right. Uh, but m the more we're looking into all these things, especially now in 2020 is when we're realizing that some of the agreements, quote unquote, agree agreements that were made were not true agreements. And right. so today we're still talking about the systemic uh, racism that is happening literally uh, behind, you know, next door to us. And we're, we're experiencing so many different levels of racism within different segments of our society that just gives you a reality check once again of everything that is still not fixed and repaired. And all that stems for, from so many different levels of, um, I think it's just a human heart uh, that is not in the right place. Uh, and that is oftentimes selfish, only looking towards its own 
uh, devices and, and own its own satisfaction right. that leads to things such as racism. Because where true love exists, then I think that whole term of we don't see color, and I, I understand that that's a much deeper sentence or uh, um, adverb, but I think that love piece is really missing on a lot of segments of society to allow for people in general right. to just be people with each other. Right, right, right. And I think it even influences how we we raise our children, you know, because I, I think it's it's hard because you have to, at the same time, you have to teach them love, you know, because we are uh, Christians and we, we believe in, in the healing power and and uh, delivering power of love. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to t- teach our children to love. Uh, however, at the same time, you have to teach them to be careful um, because not everybody out there is is willing to love them back or to even accept their love. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So so what kind of conversation do you have with your your sons and daughters? I don't know. I know our oldest daughter is you know about to drive. You know, and and I'm I'm finding myself having some conversation with her even whenever she'll be driving, on, you know, uh, on her own. So, what do you tell your sons? And we have two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the conversation that you think we need to have with uh, with our daughters and sons about the the type of of country that they are being raised in and what kind of future they can hope uh, for. Yeah, that uh, in this particular season in this generation, I think that's that's a hard conversation that a lot of African American parents have had to have, um, and and teaching my sons, um, teaching even my daughters during this particular time has been a little bit difficult and tricky. But one of the things that I think is important for us to do is to be able to teach them about the realities of life without necessarily teaching them to fear or to hinder them from becoming and being free really in their own individuality. Um, And and that is a difficult conversation to navigate because as much as we want to talk to them about the realities of certain things that are happening out there, uh, we don't want it to become a hindrance to them or an excuse or even a, a factor of fear that really deters their mindset from, you know, accomplishing certain things and knowing that they they still do have certain freedoms. And so, what I've decided uh, to do with my kids have been to give them the freedom to think uh, through the process. Having those particular conversations with them right. as well is important to be able to hear their perspective, but also allowing them to make a decision on how they ought to treat their brothers, uh, whether African-American or or Caucasian or any color, based on the teachings that we give them here in the home. And so I go back to that factor of love, okay? When we love, uh, we we don't begin to love based on certain uh, criteria. We love regardless, because that's the type of love that God has called us to carry and to have within ourselves. But another thing that we also do uh, and that we've done here recently is I've exposed them to, um, you know, some platforms uh, that allowed for them to be able to hear on all sides of the spectrum. And so I had a conversation with uh, recently, we we had conversations with um, uh, the police department, our local police department, and all 
uh, of my older kids were there to be able to listen to the conversation that I had with police uh, and, and things like that, to be able to give them a sense of the reality that they're living so that it's not just one dimensional, but to have a full conversation around the matter with people who may look like what the world is condemning right now, but also have a different perspective. And so allowing them to have that full blown experience, I think is important. So allowing them to to know what's happening, but not to let them not to let what's happening out there hinder them from being who they are. Absolutely. Pretty much. Absolutely. Right? Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your, your walk with God. So because you're you know you're a senior pastor. Um so you always knew that you wanted to be a pastor? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say from my mother's womb. Right. I, I knew I was called uh, not even close. Um whenever I moved here, um to the, to the United States, I had no idea. I wasn't that religious. Um, you know, we went to church because the parents went to church or right. you know, grandparents took you to church, but not because you wanted to. Uh, and as I began to grow here, I was introduced to a charismatic uh, church environment where I, I began to discover God and, and, and find out who he really was. Right. Um, you know, and I think there was a juncture, juncture in my life that allowed for me to be able to kind of take a step back and say, you know what, uh, I, I need to learn more. I need to discover him for myself right. rather than through other people. And so that allowed for me to begin to get into uh, Christianity and learning about God. And very soon, not only was I learning about God, I was learning about myself. And this is how God began to instill in me such a great passion that allowed for me to also discover my calling. So what have you learned if you have to resume into like maybe two things um, while you're serving God? What have you learned about God? What have you learned about, you know, life in general? (laughs) (laughs) Um, God is uh, one word that I've been really um, uh, embracing about God in this season of my life is God is unpredictably loving. Yeah. Uh, and his, his love is unpredictable. And, and understanding that has made me appreciate humanity and mankind in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the way that God loves, it goes way beyond our understanding. It goes right. way beyond our comprehension. Right. That he is able to embrace people that we would not even Never take embrace. a second yeah. look at. And right. and he's able to accept and fix certain things. And sometimes even those who may be at fault um, at a particular season in their life, he right. still backs them because he's just that type of a father. Right. And so what I've learned about God in this season of my life is that his love is just unpredictably good, right. uh, if I must say, and um, unmatchable. And matchable, and so as much as I can, try to replicate that is what I'm trying to do. Accepting my neighbor, loving my neighbor, uh, embracing them through our differences, through their mistakes, and so on and so forth. It, it is so important uh, to me. Um, I don't. I find it harder to even judge people uh, at this particular point uh, and just share. God's love with right, them right. and understand that 
there's some things that I can change and I, I can influence. And there's a lot more that God can change and influence in them. So okay. I let God handle his part. Oh, yeah. So his love can definitely do a lot more than than, than what we can try to do. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Let's take a quick break. We are almost at the end. Okay. <laughs> oh, we <no>. survived. <laughs> well, thank you for um, being a guest. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like the- you had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm honored to be one of the first guests or the first guest on, right. on the podcast. So cool. So I have two last questions. Okay. The first one is, what is your greatest regret? And uh, what are the lessons that you may have learned from it or from them? <laughs> <laughs> My greatest regret, number one, two, three, four, or five. There's <laughs> uh, a number, just one. I, I think there are so many things that, uh, you know, when you look back, of course, um, everybody goes through moments in their lives where they wish they could get a redo uh, start over, reset button on so many different things. Um, and, and for me, it's also been in, in so many different areas of my personal life. And I think it lies in a lot of the decision makings that I've done. And I think if I can sum it up in one, it's every decision that I've made that ultimately impacted not just me, but impacted the people around me. Uh, those are my regret moments, and particularly areas that impacted my family, uh, in particular uh, our marriage situation. In particular, I those. Need to do a whole show on just that. Huh? I, yeah, may, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, that, that's yeah. We'll we'll have to pray and talk about that. <laughs> but no, definitely uh, anything that has to do with uh, impacting our our family. Uh, the family mold and also impacting people uh, around us. And obviously people around us are people that we love and people that we cherish. And whenever you begin to post act or um, make decisions that ultimately impact those individuals, I think those are the hardest moments in life because you realize that you didn't just hurt you, but you hurt people that, that were not um, deserving to be hurt and, and things like that. I think those are probably uh, the greatest regrets in my life. But also, what are the lessons from those, though? Yeah, you so you're going there. Yeah, that's that's where I was going. Also, through those particular moments, you you learn uh, the lessons. You it opens up your eyes on how much of an influence sometimes that you have towards people and how much of an expectation those people have towards you. Therefore, you you need to be, or I, I'll speak for myself in this particular case, um, I it brings me to a sense of realization of the responsibility that I have towards the people around me, uh, is that one move can impact a whole entire lifetime one move can impact a whole entire family uh, 
structure and, and things like that. And so then you begin to tread lightly or be very careful. Now, through that whole process, of course, we're not perfect, but those things that we can avoid so that they ultimately don't impact other people, then, you know, it positions me to to continually learn, you know, I'm, uh, you know, past my 40s now. Yeah. Um, and Can you in, believe it? <laughs> no, actually, that, let's pass through that as quickly. Let's, let's do a show just, just about age. About age, yeah. Okay, you're not there yet. Yeah, so things, things that come with age. <laughs> technically, yeah, I'm, we're in a different category there. But um, yeah. I, I think in 40 years of living, you you learn that you continually learn endlessly. Right. Uh, I speak to my dad oftentimes who is in his 70s and he's still learning right. uh, so many different things. And so life is just a continuous school, school yeah. of learning uh, you know, new things and better ways. And sometimes to... learning about ourselves. Uh, absolutely. Not, even, not, not just about stuff, but Sometimes learning about yourself takes a lifetime. You know, I often speak about this whenever we, we're talking to couples. Uh, I, I speak about the fact that each and every one of us, we change every day. Uh, every morning, we're shaped, we're influenced, we're, we're literally changing on a daily basis. Not only are we getting older, but because of our encounters, our relationships, our workplaces, experiences, we change on a daily basis. And so every single day you get to discover a new you. And so the struggle a lot of times with people is, uh, you know, I hear this question a lot. Well, Pastor, I don't even know who I am or what I'm supposed to do. What is my purpose and, and things like that. Well, that that is a learned thing on a daily basis, because what you were yesterday is not necessarily what you're gonna be tomorrow right, right. Um, because of everything that life has to bring to you. And so, yeah, it's a constant learning right. uh, and discovering of ourselves through experiences, both positive and negative. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think we have to learn how to be patient, um, not only with ourselves, yeah. but also with others. Because if you can see that yourself, you're changing, Every time you, you, you see, you're exposed to something new, whatever you, you were exposed to had an effect on you. Uh, whenever you experience something different, whenever you meet someone from a different, maybe walk of life or something like that. So every encounter that you, you, you have changes you. So you have to be patient with yourself as you are becoming, as you are growing, as you are changing. Uh, and I think when you realize that for yourself, you have to be patient with others too mm -hmm. because you know that they are also going through the same transformation the same journey of discovering who they are in god yeah. you know so the same way you will require patience then you can also give patience to others right Absolutely. yeah so i think i think i will say personally uh that one of my greatest regrets uh one of my greatest regrets will be the, the importance that I gave to people's opinion over my life. Mm. Yeah, to me, I think that that's one of my greatest regrets. Mm. Of course, I think it's good to, to have, you know, good counsel. It's good to have positive or constructive criticism. But I think I locked myself uh, because I was so concerned about what will people think 
of me or what will people say that sometimes I find myself not doing certain things. And, and, and I'm glad that the older I'm getting, the more, you know, and I'm, it's, it's, I'm not perfect. I'm still working on it, but the, le- I, I have a less, I'm concerned less, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, about what people really think yeah. about me. Because I've noticed with age that whether you do good or bad, somebody will always I, have something I, something to say and 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 you can't please or uh be loved by everyone absolutely you know and and it took me unfortunately so many years that is that is a tough you know tough lesson for most of us especially yeah. I, i think within our environment of pastoring people yeah. or being church leaders you you really want to believe that everybody that is there actually loves you right. and embraces you right, and right. and therefore you want their acceptance you want their approval, their approval. and so on and so forth right. but little do we know that even some of the people that we think are supposed to be with us for right. our, our whole entire lifetime are not always meant to be there right. for a whole lifetime and not everybody that smiles and, and tells you you know, a good thing outward, uh, outwardly uh, has those intentions in their heart. And so right. I think one of the greatest satisfaction that we can get is just embracing our isms or who we are right. um, in, God in God more than in people, right. because people will always love you for so long right. and accept you for so long, as long as, you know, it's working towards their individual mm-hmm. satisfaction right. and interest then you're okay the right. moment that you you know go a different direction then right. you begin to see the reality of how quickly humanity can begin to reject or absolutely not accept you so the, the the key thing here is to just really not only um understand or have a good idea or who God is calling you to be. Of course, it changes. You you, you understand it better as you keep going, like we say. It's a process. It's a journey. Um, but when you do have an idea of what God wants you to do or be, don't apologize for right. it. Just go for it. And, and, and I think for me, I had to somehow agree that who I am is not for everyone. Right. You know what I mean? Like like who I'm, I'm supposed to be or how I talk, uh, how I react is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But but there is an audience out there that the Lord has reserved for my kind of person yeah. or my kind of personality. Yeah. I just wish I got this when I was 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm I, almost, I'm really... almost 30 and I'm like, almost 40. Woo! <laughs> she tried, y'all. Tried. She tried. She really tried. <laughs> But I really did. I would have corrected that very quickly. <laughs> But I think I think some some of those things really take time. And you know, yeah. I bless God for those people who are confident from the get-go. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I wasn't, you know, built from that that cloth so to speak you do uh, look like it though. well you know looks you know? looks are deceiving I think, sometimes i think most people that probably see you know you i don't even think they they, they can think that you could be a little insecure sometimes or not insecure but maybe like question yourself you don't I, look like that at all I, i think the moment that you begin to realize that um you know you when when i think you're competitive for example mm-hmm. the competition is all about getting some type of approval or acceptance or reward uh, to actually 
to actually acknowledge you know what you have in you and so on and so forth and so a lot of highly competitive people are not competitive because they're confident but because they're insecure and they're trying to always deliver uh and, and show the world that yes i can too i can do this too and and that's i think the struggle but you know the other piece that you were just talking about i think it's so important because i think a lot of us we get god's calling but the issue is not the and the calling because God will always call us. The issue is our accepting the calling, the calling yeah. or, and and even responding to the calling. A lot of people hear the calling. They hear about what God wants them to be and who God wants them to be and what God wants them to do. But then the issue is, have we actually accepted the accepted. fact that God believes in us in this particular area a lot of us think that we we have and in reality we're still struggling with believing and seeing ourselves as god sees us and that's where there's a a great struggle and so now once you have not accepted that then mankind will always give you a definition of who right, you're supposed to right, be right. and because we need to accept it give it its name right. give it its definition you know when you read in the bible for example you get moses um who was born um from the israelites but then whenever he was put away as a baby into the water nobody gave him a name an official name that's true you know and anything that we don't give an official name uh is defined by whosoever has the first bid on it or finds it and so the first person who found him and was able to harness him and, and care for him was able to give him his name and so we we need to be able to embrace who we are define who we are based of course of god, of god uh and, and really embrace all of it as it is yeah because i think bottom line is when we are in agreement with who god is defining us to be um then i think the opinions or the eyes of the world kind of you know can deemed itself right mm-hmm. can kind of not matter as much as if you are constantly looking for people's uh, you know people's approval exactly yeah 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 um so the other question was and the last question is what do you think is your greatest accomplishment today and why Uh, up to date i don't think there is anything that i can measure up there's a lot of things that i've accomplished yes Uh, a lot of things that i've failed at yes a lot of things that i still have yet to accomplish but up to today, I would say uh, it's our family, uh, our children. Yeah, I think uh, so too. And in particular, I think that's that's our my greatest accomplishment, and I think you can second that. It's our greatest accomplishment right. to see um, a legacy, to see a reflection of you know what you've asked God for. Because right. remember the days before we even were married, we we're praying for our kids. Um, and you know, we were, you know, offering them to the Lord way before they, they were born right. and asking God to make them intelligent, to make them, you know, good kids. And, and we've got, yeah. a, you know, four know. very brilliant. Uh, uh, don't ask me. <laughs> I think that's another show. <laughs> How you have four kids. How do you have four kids? Mm, okay. That's another show. <laughs> parents gosh i know right did you did you think you have as many uh i don't i don't think we discussed four uh no but like when you were little did you think you have many kids 
I, I never thought about it that way. I, I no. definitely didn't think I would have one. Oh, okay. Um, really? Yeah. I, you didn't think you have any kids? No, no, no. Just one. I mean. Oh, okay. So you knew you would have more than one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I, at least uh, more than one. More than one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes when I look, you're right. When I look at our, our children, I I, I just um, I'm just thankful because I don't know I don't know how we were you know how we were able to do that. <laughs> you know, they, they are and, and you know our youngest one is is eight, so we have you know three teenagers. Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> three teenagers. Yeah. We need to have a show just on that one because man, that one is a. Uh, is a, whew, a whole course, a whole lecture, yeah. or something very interesting. But they are—they are amazing. They're amazing kids. They're very smart, but but also they are—they have a good heart. I think that's something that was important for us, right? Yeah. That we have kids that are, you know, um, I, I didn't want a bunch of brats. <laughs> didn't want kids that didn't give value um, to 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 God. You know, mm -hmm. that's the first thing. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, our, our kids are pretty exceptional. They're they're not perfect at all. I of think. course not. <laughs> we have daily yeah. talks with them, and um, yeah. so it definitely. I think they're tired of our talks. <laughs> no, I think I think I'm tired of them. Even <laughs> <laughs> some of the things that they do, but um, they're certainly not perfect. But they're they're in general they're good kids yeah they're good kids i love our little dinner moments because that's that's usually when we <laughs> after we feed them yeah you know after they're all happy <laughs> then we say we, okay we guys so <laughs> let's talk well they're, they're full <laughs> right right well thank you for chatting with me for talking with me today thanks for inviting me this was fun <laughs> are you gonna come back most definitely yeah most definitely yeah i think we could we have a more things that we could talk about yeah yeah all right guys so we're going to wrap it up uh thank you for being with us with this uh first episode of uh, let's talk uh with my husband patrick uh you guys have a great evening and i will see you soon Bye bye bye